Hey guys, I am excited to share my conversation with Ken and Aaron with you guys. Uh, since Ken and I will be doing a separate deep dive into each character, this was a chance for us to hear Aaron's opinions on one of her favorite television characters of all time. So this is less of a discussion and more of an interview to hear another point of view. Ken joined us virtually for this one, but bless him, he was having some technical issues and parts of his audio were not recorded. So you'll hear Aaron and I reference things from him, which were very insightful and funny. But unfortunately, you don't actually get to hear what he said. And when I told Ken and Aaron what happened to his audio file, we all had a moment of silence for those wonderful words that we will never get to hear again. But I can tell you that part of what he said was him giving Aaron some verbal side eye for her comments on the Michael and Brian fight. <laughs> anyway, so when we get to some random laughter or like, oh, yeah, that's a good point in response to something that Ken said. I promise Aaron and I were not taking any of Brian's party favors. Like, Ken really was there, and he does come in later. But again, there were some issues with his audio, so hopefully you guys can get some of what he was saying in there. But it was a fun conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hey guys, Ishelle here, and Ken is on his way. He is going to be fashionably late, like the true Emmett Honeycutt he is. <laughs> but we will be joined today by our podcast friend, Aaron. And if you've been listening to us for a while now, you know that Aaron and I have been doing these every at the end of every season. But now, since Kid and I have watched the whole series, uh, he can join us. So we're really excited about that part. So, Aaron, happy to have you back. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here again. I love doing these, so I'm glad we could do this one too. And I'm excited to have Ke to have Ken on too, because <laughs> I know I cursed yeah. him for my podcast. So I'm glad. <laughs> well, I thought that you had cursed him from this one as well, because he was like, "Oh no, I have some a conflicting thing," and this was the only time in the world they could do it. So I was like, "Aaron, she strikes again." <laughs> <laughs> but he is coming and he will join in on this discussion. So Ken and I and then Aaron are kind of like two roads diverging into a yellow wood on, on some Brian Kenny things with season five. But that's okay because we can all have our own opinions and our own interpretations. So it'll still be fun. And of course, it'll always be respectful, but just like good fun conversation because um, yeah, we're like real friends now. So we will go ahead and jump in. Like I said, he'll just get here when he can get here. And this isn't going to be like our official Brian Kenny episode. That's something else we're going to do later. And Aaron, we might invite you to the panel on that um, when we start doing our character. Yay! I don't want to call him character analysis. That's a bad phrase in the QAF world right now because um, there was some drama on Facebook <laughs> with somebody trying to provide some official character analysis or something like that. And so. I just don't want to be, I don't know. That's weird, because that's what we did on Fan my podcast. So. I know. Fandom, fandoms are very interesting places, is what yes, I have learned. They are. <laughs> yeah. They are lovely, but they are interesting places. Yes, <laughs> so. yes. But yes, I, I'm open to be on those panels, for sure. I'm putting myself out there. I would love to. <laughs> yeah. And I know. I can't wait to go like and do like Jennifer and Hunter, like some of those other ones, mm -hmm. you know, do those people. Yeah. But anyway, for right now, we are doing Mr. Brian Kinney. As we always say, Professor Justin Taylor usually teaches this course, but uh, occasionally he will tag in Aaron and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, our source material is the Brian Kinney Operating Manual. <laughs> Someone needs to make that, okay? I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, let's get that in the works. We'll just do a collaborative effort in getting that going. Um, yeah, we can put together our notes from all of these sessions. 
to get us started, Erin, go ahead and tell me, where do we find Brian in season five? So coming off season four, we've had the cancer. He's had some made some decisions about his life and wanting to live it, wanting to be more involved with Gus, wanting to kind of firm some things up with Justin. So just tell me, where do we find Brian at the beginning of season five? Uh, well, Brian, at the beginning of season five, I actually think this is probably the most uh, calm and, I don't know, settled Brian we've ever seen at first. I mean, he's very committed to his relationship with Justin. He's committed to his business. He's committed to the fact that he feels he's been given a second chance at life kind of thing. Um, Justin, of course, is in L.A., but, you know, and, and Brian's planning on surprising him there and doing, which is a very uh, romantic thing for Brian. And so even though it's still very much Brian, Brian is still going out to Babylon. Brian is still very much himself. His advertising company is succeeding, all of that. And his health is great. At the same time, he's also the most calm and almost... um because I think this whole season is about growing up and changing and moving beyond your 20s and stuff and really moving beyond that. And so I think with Brian in this, he's it's almost like he's nesting in a weird way, even though you don't see him do that. But it's kind of like that's the first word that popped into my head. It really is the most grounded and centered that Brian has ever been at first. <laughs> that all changes, but that's the way we find him is, yeah, settled into his life in a very different way. Yeah, I definitely see that. He is way more, way more calm and kind of, um, yeah, seems to be a little bit more at one with himself at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely agree with that part. So you brought up him doing something romantic, him going out to see Justin. And we get that they've been in, in contact with each other. We don't know how often, but when they're talking, that phone call that they're having when Brian's in the back room and Justin's at that pool party, it's pretty obvious that they've been in in contact with each other. They've been talking. Well, Justin tells him that he is going to have to extend his stay, not really because he's choosing to, but that's the job is requiring it. And then there is this immediate shift in in Brian. And so what did you think of his reaction to Justin doing that and saying, okay, we need to move on. It's over now. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is Brian. <laughs> that's why that's why I mean it didn't last very long. It's like, okay, never mind. Why did I even get my hopes up? Whatever. It's over. Of course he's going to stay there. He's in L.A. Why would he come back to Pittsburgh when he can be in sunny, warm L.A. with a bunch of hot guys? Whatever. Why would he want to come home to boring Pittsburgh with the snow and the cold and old ass me who got sick and all of that stuff? So it just plays into Brian's insecurities. And he instantly, instead of being like, I'm going to still go out and surprise him. I'm going to still try and make this relationship work. That's not the way Brian operates. And even though Brian has character growth throughout the series, as every character does, character growth doesn't mean you always stay growing. You can take steps back. And I think for Brian, whenever anything, uh, you know, pokes at that insecurity that he has, then he instantly takes like 20 steps backwards <laughs> and him just canceling the trip to LA. And I remember first watching this and when he did that, cause I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. He's going to go fly out to LA. That's so cute and romantic. And then when he canceled it, I'm like, and I love Brian, but I was like, damn it, Brian. 
he can be <laughs> so freaking frustrating sometimes. He's I I love him so much, and I love him absolutely. I love defend him, but... him when I shouldn't defend him, but Same. still, I still am like every time I watch it, I'm like, really? You? I mean, come on, just go. It doesn't mean that Justin doesn't want to be with you, but this is Brian, and Brian doesn't have any self confidence. I mean, you saw that in season four with the cancer diagnosis. And so, of course, he's going to do this. This is typical Brian. So it it was kind of sad to me because I think that's another theme with Brian throughout this season is him taking a few steps forward and then back and not wanting to go along with the way, the direction everybody else is going in and wanting to just stay that club kid almost um, and the partier and the party boy. And not wanting to grow up. And so I think even though he had a step wanting to grow up, the fact that he wants Justin to move in at the end of season four, all that stuff. Well, the second any kind of little thing that doesn't play to that plan happens, it's like, boom, never mind. I don't want to do this. Right. (laughs) At least in the beginning. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But I think that's a very, not for everyone, but for some people, that's a very realistic growth journey yes (laughs) where there is a lot of like forward and backward and zigzagging yes so I definitely see that see that with him so in all of that where he's having that oh this is all over I'm gonna say this is who I am he buys Babylon so I want to hear your thoughts about him buying Babylon well if there was ever a perfect person to buy Babylon it's Brian Kinney I mean that's (laughs) <laughs> That's who would buy Babylon. It's like someone buying their playground, you know, their their amusement park, so that they can have complete control over it, make money off of it at the same time, and be able to play in their playground anytime they want to. And that's what he basically did. Uh, to me, it fits. It fits also his journey in this season, wherein he is buying that memory of his youth in a way. So that he can hang on to that as well. So here he is, not wanting to let go of that, watching everybody grow past that, but not wanting to let go of it. And so here's his opportunity to really not let go of that by buying this place that represents his youth, his, I mean, and I don't mean youth, youth, but like his young adulthood, you know, when he first is on his 20s, his early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s. So it represents that time period. So he's able to buy that as a way of hanging on to that person that he's worried everybody wants to get rid of kind of thing. I kind of get that he almost feels like that was probably when he really felt like he had some power and some value is Mm -hmm. what he experienced at Babylon from the reactions that he got walking into Babylon, even when from a young age. And so I feel like that's probably a place where he does feel most powerful and most himself, at least the older version of himself or that youthful version of himself that you're talking about. And so, yeah, it does make sense, of course, for him to for him to buy it. And so on the one hand, it's like, yeah, good move, good business move or whatever. But on the other hand, it's kind of like, oh, but it kind of traps you in this thing that's kind of weird for you. Yeah. (laughs) Unless he can. I mean, there's a way to have have that to have his cake and eat it, too, I guess. But um. So I get why it happened, but I think it was a very interesting decision that they made with that with that character. So with all this going on, as he's kind of starting to dig his heels in on 
being that version of Brian Kenny, being this kind of like free to do what I want, club boy, forever young thing in the way that he thinks that that's supposed to work. There is this rift growing with him and Michael. So talk to me about that growing rift with with Michael. Well, (laughs) I think this is one of the areas that I think we differ somewhat on. (laughs) I think um, I actually am completely, almost completely on Michael's side with with this a little bit. I while I totally understand I think uh, a lot of what Brian is is doing like when Brian comes over for the dinner party with Michael's new neighbors and all of that stuff and he's like basically being Brian and talking about partying and still going out and you know everybody's like no we're too mature and old to do that kind of stuff. And I totally get what he's saying where not everybody has to have the same trajectory when they get older. It's just like not everybody has to kid, have to get have kids. Not everybody has to get married. Not everybody has to do that kind of stuff. And so I think that's a lot of what he's saying. Like you can't dictate what is the appropriate life for a gay man when they get to a certain age is what he's trying to say. And so I totally understand that. Totally get it. He's totally in the right about that part. But in all honesty, <laughs> he's kind of like a uh, – he's kind of acting like – and I don't know, but it's going to get people mad at me, so I'm I'm prepared. But he's kind of acting like a little toddler who got his favorite toy taken away from him. And he's whining and complaining. And also because later on, of course, this leads to the fact that he loses Justin because of all of this. But this is not why he loses Justin. That's the thing that Brian, you know, is missing in here. He doesn't lose Justin because Michael and Ben are living out in the suburbs and, you know, living like that white picket fence kind of life. That's not why he loses Justin. He loses Justin because Justin is a romantic at heart. Justin wants that. Justin wants what what, uh, Ben and Michael have. Justin has wanted that from day one. This is not something new. Yes, Justin loves to party. Justin loves to have sex with different guys. Yes, he does love that because he's young and everything like that. But at his heart and core of who he is, is he is a lot like Michael and Ben in wanting that stuff. He's not like them personality-wise, just in wanting that for his life. So I think what happened was he saw that happening And he would see Brian making fun of that or making digs at that or, you know, doing, you know, Brian stuff, just being Brian. And it was like another wake up call for Justin. I'm not going to get what I need. But what Brian saw is Michael's leaving me and Michael's taking Justin from me too. So Michael's leaving. Michael, my favorite toy, as I've said before, they have such a toxic codependent relationship. So, Michael, my favorite dependable toy, and I'm only referring to him as a toy because I feel like they have a very childish relationship in a lot of respects. Like they're stuck in they're stuck in Michael's bedroom in a lot of ways. They're stuck in that that time period together. So that's the only reason I'm saying that. Not as a toy like he uses him, just more like they're stuck in in that that time period. And so then he's got that. He's losing his best friend, he feels like, which he didn't have to lose his best friend. But his best friend then is taking the man that he loves. Basically, what I what I think is going on with all of that is that, you know, Michael is really Brian's 
childhood as well. Michael is Brian's teen years. Michael is Brian's early 20s. And so this whole season, everyone is moving past that time period except for Brian, even though in the beginning, I think at the beginning of the season, I think Brian was, and then Justin got delayed coming back and all this stuff. So it kicked up that thing of like, well, then never mind. I'm going to just stay being in the 20s. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to buy Babylon, buy my little playground here where I can just go there whenever I want to and I own this. And so then when he sees, you know, Michael and Ben going and living in the suburbs and living that life that basically is the antithesis in his mind of the life he wants to lead, he feels very betrayed by that. And so I think (laughs) Brian reacts like, a spoiled little brat. Honestly, I just, I, he just, he kind of ticks me off in some of these parts with Michael. The stuff that he says, like I said, at the dinner party, I totally get that because not everybody's life is going to follow the same again space. Because <laughs> not everybody's life is going to follow the same trajectory. So I totally agree with that. It's just, I don't know, like, I, mainly it's the part after Justin leaves, and Justin is staying with Michael and Ben, and Brian comes there drunk, and is just yelling and screaming and telling him it's all his fault, and, you know, all this stuff, and saying this is not, you know, I don't, I don't want this white picket fence kind of life, and Michael's saying, well, don't we all know it? And honestly, I, I have many issues with Michael. But that was one of the proudest moments for Michael, I think, because it's the first time he goes beyond that codependency thing and actually sticks up for himself and his life that he's built with Ben. So I was totally on Michael's side in that. And I know I might get some hate from people because, (laughs) hey, I love Brian. I forgive lots of things that I shouldn't with Brian. But I totally think it was wrong because the person... Brian is actually mad at and all of this is himself because he feels he can't give Justin what Justin has always wanted since Justin first came along because Justin's a romantic at heart and Justin wants what Michael and Ben have and Brian feels he can't or isn't allowed is another thing I think too. Brian doesn't think he's allowed that kind of happiness. So he's mad at himself for that. So he takes it out on the person that he's always been able to take stuff out on if he wanted to and would still be there. And instead, that's not what kind of happens. They have a complete falling out, unlike other times. So I agree with like (laughs) two or three things in there. (laughs) And yeah, Michael, the rest of the season is a total ass. I can't stand Michael in season five. You know, he's such a jerk. Well, I have a question, Aaron, for you. And then, Ken, of course, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, and this goes back to some things that we were talking about earlier, but I think it fits in here. Uh, so I think that usually Brian is the person who's very aware of who he is in any given moment. But I feel like here in season five, because everything is changing around him and there is that pressure to like, okay, now you need to change to keep up. I feel like at some point in this season, he does kind of go through this question of, well, I think I know, or I thought, I mean, of course he's not saying it in those words, but I think in some of his behaviors, you kind of get that, that maybe he is kind of lost to center a little bit, or is that kind of out far-fetched? What do you think, Aaron? And then, Ken, you can speak on it. 
Well, yeah, I think that's another part of that whole theme through the this whole season of do I leave that part of myself behind from the 20s that went partying and all that, or do I go beyond that? And then, like I said in the, you know, in the beginning, before the, the season really opens with Brian in a very different place than we've ever seen him, where he does seem more centered. He seems more ready to even settle down. He, you know, is very like he's going to do this romantic thing and go fly to LA and surprise Justin. And that is not a thing that you normally would have seen Brian do, not because he's not capable of it, but because it scares him to do that stuff. But then, you know, the first bit of turmoil is when Justin has to stay longer. And for Brian, it's not, Brian doesn't look at that logically. He's looking at that like, oh, Justin's going to stay in LA. Of course he's going to stay in LA. Like I said, he doesn't, you know, he's going to choose LA over me. Who wouldn't choose LA over me? And so that sets off the first turmoil. Then his relationship with Michael falling apart is more turmoil. Everybody trying to find a person to be with and um, and to settle down and people wanting to grow up. And, you know, Brian not knowing where he fits in and then having this other guy come into the club scene that is supposed to be better than him, maybe, and uh, a hot new thing. And how does he compete with that? So it's another pressure cooker on there, too. And then, um, you know, the, the, the sexually transmitted disease stuff. And then all this stuff coming at him like it's like a snowball effect. And so I think he really doesn't know where he is anymore. I think he feels very outside this other world that everybody's living in. Like everybody's in this bubble and he's outside wondering where he fits in. I think he's very lonely, actually. Talking about it now, I'm like, yeah, he's very lonely. Yeah. Okay, so we've touched a little bit on the things with the breakup and the things with Babylon. Aaron, I did want to get your opinion. What did you think about him uh, giving up his winnings in his bet with with Brandon? <laughs> I hate Brandon. I just want to say that. I don't like him. I do I not know. know why. He I did do, not. Uh-uh. He did not do it for me. He didn't do it for us. No. Yeah. I, I'm glad we're all on the same page. And that just had to get that out there because I'm like, you are not even close to Brian. Anyway, <laughs> you you're you're like the um the like generic 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 version. <laughs> Him doing that, that's uh <laughs> I I loved that actually. I think that was great. And it again see, I think Brian does these things that people don't think are very Brian, but they actually are very Brian. And this season there's a lot of those <laughs> coming up. I know we'll talk about about them towards the end too. Uh but that was awesome because it was sort of like you had seen this very insecure Brian, and you're seeing that up and down throughout this season. And then it was kind of like, <laughs> it was almost like he was like, you know what? I have felt like I've been in competition with you this whole time, and I can't live up to you, and you're better than me. Guess what? <laughs> you're not, and you never will be, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with you trying to hit on other guys, get on other guys that I want, whatever. I don't care anymore. It was kind of like this, him taking back his power and taking back his power within himself. I don't mean necessarily uh, within the scene or anything like that. I just mean like taking it back for for himself and being like, you know what? I don't need to play this game anymore. I don't need to play this game anymore. I am beyond this. I am better than this. and. 
I am better than this knockoff. <laughs> so I, I loved that, though. No, I really, really loved it. I was really worried when I first saw this season, when it first aired, because I watched it, you know, when it was originally on. And I was really worried that it was going to end up that he was going to, like, fall for this guy somehow. I was like, I was like, if they do that, I am going to. Yeah, Ken, Ken thought that, too, initially. I was like, <laughs> like no. For, for, like, 30 seconds, he thought that. <laughs> Yeah, I remember it when it was first airing and watching that and being like, no, they're not going to do this. Are they really going to do this? No, no, no. So I'm very glad they didn't do this. And I'm very glad that it was just kind of like, eh, never mind. We're not going to keep playing this game. I'm better than you. And I know I'm better than you. <laughs> yeah, I think it was important that he won uh, and then was able to yes. say, you know what, have it do you because it was like he kind of got that validation of like, no, I still have all of my powers or whatever, but I don't need to play play that game anymore. But even still, okay, that was a turn for him. But it was like, okay, I'm turning, but I don't necessarily know what I'm turning toward yet. There was still that kind of like, okay, we're gonna turn down this road, but I haven't, I did not prepave this road. And so I don't really know what I'm turning into, but I, I agree, Ken, it was a turning point for him. Okay, so one thing that I, well, you know, season five is not everybody's favorite. We've talked about that. I love season five. It's, we, me and Ken and I have talked about that. It's not our favorite season, but we love season five. But a lot of people don't. And part of it is because of something you hinted out earlier, Aaron, with Brian. Um, because a lot of people do feel like this was a regression for him or he was very out of character at different points in this season. But what you were saying is you felt like there were things that Brian does that people feel like that's not Brian, but it really is Brian. So we'll probably start to get into a little bit of that as we as we go here. So at this point, we have he's broken up with Justin. We've had the whole Brandon thing and he's got this growing friendship with Ted. Do you want to speak to that a little bit, Aaron? I love Brian and Ted. <laughs> I love their scenes. It They are some of the funniest scenes. I mean, in season four and then carrying over to season five. I just love them together because they are like this odd, like, pairing of people that are so, so different from each other. But they kind of get each other in this weird way. They're like both kind of outsiders, but in different ways. Like Ted, you know, poor Ted. You know, he has the lowest self-esteem of any of the characters. And I mean, granted, he gets a little bit higher during this time, during this season, and he ends up standing up for himself and all that. But <laughs> he still has such low self-esteem. And in a way, so do, so does Brian. Brian has different, it's express, he expresses it differently. So they're kind of similar in that way, that they're kind of both outsiders in the group. And so in this weird way, it makes sense that Ted would end up working there, that they would end up having this kind of friendship that I don't think either one of them expected. And I don't even know if they would necessarily even admit to how, how close they got, but I I love their scenes. I think they're some of the best scenes in the show, in both season four and season five, because they play so well off of each other and they're so funny. It's like, you know, because Brian's got that very dry, dry wit. And Ted kind of does too in some kind of way. And I just, I love their scenes together. I just, I, I adore it, actually. <laughs> their friendship is one of my favorite things. I kind of feel like Brian's friendship with Ted, Lynn's, outside of his friendship with Justin, 
Well, that's a different thing, but I kind of feel like it lends itself to be the healthiest friendship that Brian has because mm-hmm. there are toxic things with him and Michael. And then even with Lindsay, there are just some things there that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to dig into at some point. But there are some things with his friendship with Lindsay that are a little bit make you raise the eyebrow. So um, not on his part necessarily. No, Lindsay's Early part. on, only because he used that to affect her relationship, but he didn't have any, you know, there was nothing behind it for him. But uh, yeah, so I feel like that could be the healthiest friendship that he, that he has. I agree. That's yeah, that's yeah. Very true. Probably why I love it so much. So that is going on and he's kind of getting that together. And then we have this prop 14 is happening. That's a conversation that's going on in the world. And so of course there's benefit concert that they're going to do at Babylon Oh, and I want to plug this here because I told Ken already and I've been waiting for a chance to put it in there. So like two weeks ago, I had the opportunity to talk to one of the writers again in person. And um, he was saying that, you know, Cindy Lauper performs in here, but it was supposed to be RuPaul. Oh, <laughs> so, really? Yeah. RuPaul is a personal friend of his and it was supposed to be RuPaul. But at the time, Ru did not want to do any shows in drag and was wanting to take a break from that, which is kind of funny to think about now. But at the time, he was like, well, no, I don't want to do anything in drag right now. So they got Cindy Lauper to come in. But just a little behind the scenes trivia there. That's, that's <laughs> very interesting. Yeah, that's uh-huh. huh. huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. But Cindy Lauper slid in and did great. But anyway, so everything is going great with that. And then there is an explosion and everything is not great. And Brian finds out about this and he just kind of jumps into action, um, turning around and going back. And so Aaron, just kind of walk me through everything with the bombing regarding regarding Brian. Uh well, and I'll just add into that, you know, once again, Brian again, is there to help everybody when they lose their place to hold the benefit. And he offers Babylon without charging anything, too. Uh, So once again, Brian (laughs) steps in, saves the day. Um, Well, you know, this is an area that I know a lot of people don't think that a lot of people think is too forced as far as what ends up happening that I know we'll talk about later. But I, you know, this is still a very, very hard episode to watch. I was just watching this two days ago, again, to refresh my memory. I really don't have to have watched these so many times, but I watched it anyway. And it still is one of the most painful episodes to watch uh, because you still, even though you know what's going to happen after you've watched it, you still don't expect it. And everybody seems so happy and wonderful. And Brian's reaction is very Brian. Brian hearing that, it's like, Oh my gosh, I could be losing everybody. He already is feeling alone, lost outside of that little bubble. And then, oh my gosh, I could be losing everybody. Oh my gosh, I think the other part of him was I should have actually been there. I should have been there. And maybe I could have helped somehow because that's the way Brian thinks, which he couldn't have, but that's the way he his thought process is. And so him instantly wanting to go back makes sense. The first thing that he wants to do is, of course, to find Justin, which makes perfect sense. Because he hears that, he knows Justin's going to be there. It also probably brought up flashbacks to Justin's bashing as well, and having that kind of come up again, and, and you know, being there for that to save him, and what if he was too late here? What if he loses Justin? 
if he loses, if he actually physically loses Justin, where he won't be able to have any chance of getting him back, that will mean his whole life is shattered, I think. I don't know if Brian would have ever recovered from that, honestly. So I think that's a big fear. So he's got fear that turns into adrenaline. So all he can think about is finding Justin. And then once he's found Justin, the other most important person to him is Michael. And Michael being hurt, I think, was so difficult for Brian because he felt like, what if I never get to repair this relationship? And what if this was all like a punishment in some sort of way? And, you know, the fact that, you know, that he can't give blood because of all those homophobic rules and everything is like, again, another thing of like, I have to be able to help him. I have to be able to help my best friend. I was away. I wasn't able to try and stop it, which he wouldn't have been able to stop it anyway. But so Brian is in this total mode of, oh my gosh, I have to save everybody. I have to save everything. I have to find these two men that mean more to me than anything else. And they have to be okay. And if they are not okay, and I'm not able to repair that relationship down the line in some way, then what is the point of everything? And so I think it's a big wake-up call for Brian in a lot of respects. And I don't mean that like he needed a wake-up call. I think just for him, it was like a big like, oh, shit, what am I going to do now if I lose everything? And watching him at the hospital and him freaking out and then... When he goes, when um, Debbie is praying and he goes in there to the little chapel, I like that because I, as you know, I like Debbie and Brian scenes a lot. Um, but I, I liked that scene a lot too um, because it was a moment that the adrenaline is kind of cooling down and he's there like, you know, we are going to try and get Michael through this. And the other thing about Brian is... <laughs> And you, another reason I got mad at Michael a little bit is Michael's like, oh, I'm sure he wasn't even there. I'm like, yes, of course he was there. But he's not going to tell you he's there, not because he doesn't want you to know he's there, but because he doesn't want to impose on you. He doesn't think you want him there. So he's not going to make you feel like you have to be okay with him being there. You know, and then, of course, also that bombing triggers, you know, he has that dream about being in the coffin and being the one that's dead. And that also triggers, I think, his struggle with his own immortality, which he's struggled with since season one and getting older and feeling again like he's alone. That plays again into the loneliness of him being on the outside. So it's kind of like just this everything, all those snowballs finally all came together like an avalanche on top of him in the form of this bombing where all of those insecurities and all of his fear of losing these people that he loves so much came tumbling down in a very real fashion where he very, very well could have lost all the people that he cared about. So I think it's all typical Brian, the whole episode. It's very Brian. And I mean that in the best possible way. This is like, you see how big, what big of a, how big Brian's heart truly is. Brian is such a caring and sensitive person but nobody wants to ever see that. But he is. He so is. If he wasn't, he would have flipping gotten on that plane. I, mean, <laughs> it's not. I think the three of us all agree when we say it's such a Brian thing. Like, that's a good thing. Other people, well, I know that there's still people who feel like 
Brian's terrible and he's horrible and he's selfish. And yeah, he's got some selfish things to him, don't we all? But when we say that's such a Brian thing to do, it's because we see that heart in him who he really, I think, has the biggest heart of that whole that whole friend group. And he is he can be the most sacrificial and the most giving. And I do think it was a very Brian thing. I mean, he's praying to a God he doesn't believe in to support Debbie, to be there with her. He's there with Michael, like you said, who doesn't want him to be there, knowing that they have this rift. But he's like, I even if you don't want me here, I can't not be here. So I'm going to be here in the most unobtrusive way possible. And then going back and finding, like leaving Justin like, okay, you're good. You're okay. Let me go see what's going on with Michael. But then going back to him, like all of that is very, very Brian to me. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get some clarification out there because so, I know that when you when one of us says that we actually mean that as a compliment. As yes, a, we mean that as a good thing. So with that, uh, him being there for Michael, him being there for Debbie, but then him going to Justin and the big three words, uh, he says, I love you, to, which I loved and appreciated and teared up <laughs> when I saw that. Ken made me rewind it when we were watching it. So I rewind um, it every time I watch it. Yeah, because... <laughs> It's amazing. I mean, it's just like, you know, sometimes a couple times I went back and just, you know, the whole episode is heavy, so I couldn't really do the whole episode, but I would just go and find that little spot to to watch that little part. But even in that, I feel like that was a very Brian thing. We know that he has felt that for a very long time. I'm going to say since season one, he has felt that for uh for Justin. But this is the first time that he says it. And I I know some people have an issue with it taking something huge like a bombing, but maybe they've never gone through a traumatic event. I say all kinds of stuff after a traumatic event and and stuff that I mean, but you realize how finite time is. And like you said, Aaron, he could have lost everyone. He could have lost Justin. And I don't know what Brian we get if that does happen. And so it totally makes sense to me where he's like, you're right in front of me. All I know is that we have this second right here. And this is the most important thing that I have to say to you, this is the most important thing that I'm feeling right now. And so I have to say these words. Tell me what you think about the I love you scene, Erin. Oh, you know, this is my favorite couple. Brian and Justin are my favorite couple, my all-time favorite ship. I love them, love them, love them. And when this happened, I'm just going back to the first time I remember this because I didn't know if we would ever hear this. And I cried. I was so happy. And to me, it was so genuine. I mean, I know people say, well, it takes a you know bombing. And of course, that's so how can that be genuine? It's more genuine because you just experienced, he just experienced this very traumatic event where he didn't know if he was going to lose Justin. He didn't know if he was going to lose everything. So of course, he's going to mean it. When that happens, when you go through any traumatic event like that and you realize how precious time is and how precious life is and how it can all be gone in like a split second, you don't want to waste a single moment. And that's where Brian is coming from. You know, he's just like, I have to tell him because if I don't tell him, I could get, I, it could all be taken away and I could never get that chance. And so I think he's really realizing how important it is to express what he has felt for years now and just has been too afraid to say those words because he was worried once they left his mouth, he would lose everything. And what is interesting is watching him after he says, I love you, is I think is even more interesting than when he says, I love you, because 
I think a lot of people probably expected that he would say that, and then the next episode he'd take it back or it wouldn't be that big of a thing. And it's not that way. Once Brian says that, because once Brian commits to doing something, unless somebody else backs out, unless something else really changes that he has no control over, Brian will usually stay committed to whatever he's committed to. And now he's said that. And so he's committed to that. He's committed to not only saying those words, but living those words. So he's like, I am going to make sure Justin knows I love him from now on, from this day forward, because it's nothing else matters at that point to Brian. Brian doesn't care about the club anymore. Brian doesn't care about his struggles with what is his life now. Everybody's moving ahead and I'm not. All that Brian cares about now is proving that to the man that he loves, that he loves him and proving that the most important thing to him has always, always been connection with people and having real, real human connection. And that's always been the most important thing for him. And that's why he's always run from it because it's always scared him because he doesn't want to lose it because he was raised by very abusive parents. So, you know, and he was abused by his family in all kinds of ways. So I think for him, it's a bigger thing. It's not just about saying, I love you, but she means those words very much. I mean, he doesn't just say it once. He says it twice. And he doesn't even care that he doesn't hear them back. That doesn't matter because he already knows that Justin loves him. He knows that deep down. He's not saying it to hear it back. He's saying it because if he doesn't say it, he will regret it for the rest of his life. So I, I think it's I think it's absolutely beautiful. So I felt like it was an opportunity for him to have this thing that he could finally admit that he wanted and that and he's admitted that he wanted it before. But now he's like, and I'm willing to fight for it. You know, before it was like, OK, well, if you don't want it, then I mean, I might want it. But OK, fine. We'll let you call the shots. You can just leave. But I think it was a way for him to to kind of fight for that, too. And I think that it was important to him that Justin heard it. But it was mostly important to him that he said it. And I think that he knew Justin will understand why this is such a big deal that I'm saying these words. He knows that I love him because, I mean, look how much crap he's put up with over the years. <laughs> he knows that I love him, but he will know why it's important for me to verbalize those words. Because for Brian, I do think that is a thing where it's like, you know, some people will say telling someone you love him is like giving them a loaded gun and pointing it toward yourself. That's definitely how Brian feels about that. And so he realizes what he's doing in that and how much he's trusting Justin in that. And he knows that Justin will get it. will get it too. Um, but I like what you said, Aaron, that they didn't have him take it back. And I'm so glad that they did not, <laughs> they did not do that because that's not where this character is anymore. I feel like having him say, I love you right at this moment was very much in character, very much on brand and in line with where we are with Brian right now. And then having him go into the next thing, I felt like that all that all tracked for me. It all made sense for me. So let's talk about what comes after that. And that is the proposal, the proposal again, and then the buying the country manor. Uh, oh, this is one of my favorite episodes of the whole series. And I, you know, will watch the actual, the second proposal scene and the first one too, but the second proposal scene over and over and over again. <laughs> Uh, and I, I remember when this first happened, when this episode first happened, P 
people were like, this is not reality. Brian didn't really mean to this. Brian would never do that. This isn't the Brian from season one. This isn't the Brian from season two or season three. This is a different Brian. And I think people like to forget that or feel like he isn't that way. But it was so real and so honest and so vulnerable. That is the most vulnerable we have ever seen, Brian. Because he asked, when he first asks Justin and he's first up in his little studio and, you know, and, and, you know, he's like, so, you know, telling Justin how glad he is that nothing happened to him. And um, Justin almost gets the paint on his jacket and he's just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so you're already seeing this Brian that he's kind of in this like Twitter pated love sick, but in a healthy way mode. You know, he has finally admitted something that he's wanted to admit for years. He's finally said these three words that have scared him more than any other words. And so he's like on a high from that. He's blissed out. And he's blissed out because even though Justin isn't reciprocating necessarily, Justin still isn't like, you know, get away from me, you asshole. He isn't like being, you know, all the fears in Brian's head. And Brian doesn't Brian is willing to fight for Justin, not in a way where he's not respecting Justin, but in a way where he is showing Justin, I mean this. I understand why when I first ask you, you're going to say, no, you're just doing this because you're scared, because you're afraid. And and I love that he tells Justin about the dream he had. That is also vulnerable. Um, And so I love, though, that when Justin turns him down, he doesn't instantly say, well, nope, that's it. He main what he said what he thinks is, well, I have got to prove to Justin that I mean this. This isn't just because a bomb went off. This is because I actually realized something that I've had these deep-seated longings in here that I didn't even know about or that I wouldn't admit, really. And so I'm going to admit them to you because I want to be with you. You're my prince, as he says. And the proposal <laughs> is so Oh my gosh, I love the proposal so much because <laughs> I love how he basically I love when he says, You're right, I'm the I'm like the world's worst <laughs> person to get married to, but that's also why I'm the best person. <laughs> and I love that because it's adorable, it's kind of cocky in a really cute way. It's also just kind of true. Um and I love that, you know, Justin Justin says, okay. And he's like, no, what, what do you mean, okay? And then he keeps saying, you've got to say yes. You've got to actually say yes. I thought that was adorable. And then when they hug and then when Brian gets the look on his face, once again, Gail Harold is one of the, is just so incredible, <laughs> does those subtle little, you know, eye movements and stuff. And you see it's like this realization where he's like, wow, this happened and my world didn't fall apart. This happened and I didn't lose everything. This happened and I'm actually really happy for probably one of the first times in his life. And it's just, it's so, I love it so much. It's so beautiful. <laughs> and then when they make love, I just, uh, I, I, the whole episode with them, they're, they're, all their scenes in that episode are perfection. Yeah, I was going to say, it's all just perfect. Like everything about, about to me is perfect. To me, it's completely sincere. And I think that's what I heard you saying too. Yes. It's absolutely sincere to me because it's like, 
I want to establish a life with this person. Like I have said these words and now I'm at the point to where like I had this before, but it was kind of this loose thing that I could pretend like, oh, if he leaves like, oh, well, I wasn't really that into it anyway. But now like I'm not doing that anymore. I put all my cards on the table and I made it very clear like I want to spend a life with you and I will do anything it takes to prove to you that I mean that. And I think it's actually it was fitting and appropriate for him to say, I want to prove it to you. I know some people take issue with that wording. I'm like, no, no, he really, like, first of all, he didn't mean it like some people think he meant it, but he was like, you know what my pattern has been. Like this whole season, we've seen people throwing his phrases and his words and his mantras at him and him being like, oh, oh yeah, crap, I did used to say that. (laughs) Or, you know, so I think he's like, it's what you were saying. Like, okay, yeah, I know I'm the bad, I'm a bad poster child for this, but here's why I'm a good one too. And so I do think that it was appropriate for him to say, no, here, I'm willing to show you tangibly. And for Brian, the actions have always been more than the, meant more than the words anyway. So I think that all of it was sincere and genuine. And again, very much in line with where Brian is right now and where he's going. Yes. Yes. There's no falseness there. And yeah. I have to slip something in right here because this is my girl and I have to mention her as often as I can. Uh, something that's going on with this is uh, the scenes that we get with Brian and Jennifer when he tells her that he proposed to Justin. And I'm just so glad that they gave us that scene. I mean, he could have told anybody or nobody, but I love that what we did get to see and that we know of the only person that he told was was Jennifer. And so I love to see the journey of their relationship also and how they are in such a different place from where they were in, in season one. Uh, Cause I don't even or know two. that she, yeah. Or two. Cause I don't even definitely not to you. I don't know that she would have, if that would have fixed it, you know, some parents are like, okay, well, if you marry him, then it'll be okay. Like, I don't know in season one or season two. I don't think that would have fixed it. No, she would have been like, <laughs> we're moving. We're leaving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So to see where now, like she, she really wants this and she wants him to be her, her son-in-law. I thought that was a beautiful thing. And so I had to slip that, slip that in there. No, I agree. I love that scene. And I love how Brian says it, where he's just like, you know, I asked him to marry me. And you watch Jennifer take that in. And she even turns from him and then turns back and, you know, offers to leave him some Prozac. And (laughs) Um, all that. And then her saying, you know, I'm really sad. I can't, you're not, you you know, I can't be your mother-in-law. That was so beautiful because that is something that really, I think is important for Brian to hear because Brian, his biological mother is a piece of crap and awful and horrible. And I hate her. And so for Brian to have not one, but two mother figures in his life now, I think is just beautiful. So I loved that. And I and I would have loved to have seen like a dance at their wedding with Brian and Jennifer. I think that would have been really sweet to see too. So yes. I know. I wish we would have gotten to when she dances with Justin in the loft, I wish we could have gotten the same thing with her and Brian. Just like a little practice run. And that would have been I'm going to get ahead of myself. But really, that's all I wanted to see from the wedding was just like their dance. Really? really. Like, that's just that's what I wanted. So I was robbed on, on that. Um, but let me move us on through um, well, a little bit closer to the end. So 
all this is going on, Lindsay and Melanie have their thing going on too, which we'll talk about when we get to a Lindsay or a Melanie episode. But uh, so they are leaving and they're going to Canada. And so Brian's having to say goodbye to to them and to Gus with that. At least like every day he's down the street, say goodbye in that re- respect. Um, and I made a very strong statement on our episode <laughs> where I said, you know, I don't think it's fair that people tell Lindsay that she can't go anywhere because Brian's going to be left alone. Uh, but anyway, so tell me, what did you think about him saying goodbye to to Lindsay and Gus? Yeah, you, you mean in the park scene, right? The park scene? Uh, well, you can about? talk about the park scene, but I was talking when they ultimately leave. But you can oh, do both. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well... <laughs> I, I'm not a fan of Lindsay and Brian's relationship, and I never will be. Uh, not because of Brian. I just, you know, it's just an issue I have with the whole thing and the way it's explored. But <laughs> um, so I'm not a fan of it. I do like uh, the park scene. I like because, you know, at that point, Brian was kind of like, no, you're not going to leave. You're not going to take Gus. Um, and I think that was totally playing into his fear and it wasn't something Brian was going to definitely do. And you kind of knew that. I think he was just still afraid after the bombing. Um, he really loves being a father in spite of himself. I mean, he never thought he'd want to be a father. I don't think, I don't think he thought that was something that he could do for some reason, you know, because of his self doubt stuff and growing up in such a horrible household and with such a horrible father. So I think he's gotten to the point where he loves being a dad and he loves being around Gus. And so I think he was just afraid that that meant he would never see Gus again. And also that he would never see Lindsay again, as much as I don't like their relationship. He very much loves Lindsay and Lindsay is a very good friend of his and he didn't want to lose that either. But I think Brian, being Brian and being the selfless person that he actually is, Went, no, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to, number one, I'm not going to put my son through a big, huge turmoil there with fighting for him when I saw the horrible stuff that Michael was doing. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let him go because that's what his mothers need and they need to feel safe. And in turn, my son will feel safe. My son will grow up in a loving house that I never had. And so I think he realized that. And so then when he was saying goodbye to Lindsay both times, I think the park one to me is better just because it kind of is a reflection of their very first scene in the very first episode. And I even have a callback to it, you know, with the Wendy and, you know, Peter Pan thing. And I think it is, that's the moment when he does realize He has to let them go, not because it means he's going to lose them, but because it's what's best for everybody. And so then that leads to the final goodbye with them. And I also want to point out, I know you didn't say this, but also the scene with Mel, um, that's before that, when he is having Gus practice the rings, which is the most adorable scene. I love that scene so much when he's doing the voice and the little the little actor, little little kid, whoever that actor was, was so cute in that scene too. It was just so adorable. It was just like, you know, bringing those rings and Mel watching that and them having a little goodbye too. And even though Brian does get in that little sarcastic dig there, 
they still have this really beautiful little moment where they're actually finding some common ground and respect for each other. And I really appreciated that they got that because I think we always needed that with them. And I think it was also a way for Brian to be able to say goodbye on a very different note where there wasn't any antagonism there. And so their final scene at the car and saying goodbye then was really beautiful and heartfelt. And even though I'm not a fan of their relationship, I actually really liked it. I thought it was one of the more healthy moments in their relationship. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm seeing Ken's thumb, thumb yeah. up <laughs> that they got to, you know, uh, about the the interesting. We're going to talk all about the Lindsay friendship <laughs> at some point. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think that they got to leave on a good note. And he did realize this is the right thing for their family. I mean, he's part of their family, but for their, you know, their, their nuclear family, this is the right thing for them. And now he's at a place where he has learned they can be over there, even way over there. And I can still love them and they can still love me and we can still be okay. And I think that that shows some growth in him that he's able to kind of trust in that and trust in the love that they all have for each other to be able to make that decision to let them, to let them go. So there's a reconciliation with Michael. It didn't really do it for me, but it did it for some people. It did it for Brian. And that's what mattered the most. <laughs> but uh, so they they reconcile. And then we'll kind of deal with that at the very end. This is all going on in between there. Brian and Justin have a sit down or a lay down because they're in the bed. And they, because they're at different places, they're seeing these things in each other where Brian, where Brian is seeing Justin make some sacrifices that he wouldn't normally make if they weren't headed in this direction with this marriage. And then Justin is seeing Brian contort into something that he doesn't really recognize. And again, I'll say change and conforming are two totally different things. Like it's fine to change and to grow, but to conform because of an outside pressure, that's where the issue is. So anyway, Let's talk about about that, Erin, about their decision to like what they were seeing that led them to call off the wedding. And then your thoughts on the decision to call off the wedding. Well, you know, the big, big thing always with their relationship has always been there is an undercurrent of complete and utter trust in a way which I know some people may disagree with that. But I think that's a big, big undercurrent in their relationship is they have this trust and respect for each other. And they want both, they want each other to be very happy and to live the best life they possibly can. And what they're seeing is Brian is changing when he doesn't want to, he wants to cuddle and he wants to, he's not going to sleep with the, with the stripper at his bachelor party. And that's not Brian. And And Brian, I think, has this image in his head that if you get married, you do that stuff, that means you have to be monogamous. You have to be boring. You have to – that kind of stuff. But that's not the way it is. I mean, the relationships take many different forms. Not every marriage is going to look like every other marriage. So that's not the case. And then with Justin, Justin's getting this great, wonderful opportunity And if he wasn't going to be marrying Brian, he would take it in a heartbeat. There's like no way he wouldn't. And so he's sacrificing something that is so important to him. And Brian is sacrificing a part of himself too. And that's not who they are. And that's not what their relationship has ever been about. 
Because it's one thing to do things for other people that you might not like as much just because you love them. As long as it's consensual, I'm talking about consensual stuff, not anything dangerous or anything like that, toxic or anything like that. That's one thing. But to change, to give up who you are, to compromise who you are, and to compromise what makes your relationship good is going to harm the relationship. And if they had stayed together, they would have ended up resenting each other very quickly. And it would have been bad. Um, so that's that's my big thing on that. And I always have, you know, I mentioned a lot in my podcast, I have this thing where I do not like it when people give up their big dreams or big life-changing things for a person. Because to me, that is not love. <laughs> I mean, there are small sacrifices that you might have to make, but a big sacrifice like that, that's not love. And so, and Brian would never ask Justin to sacrifice that ever in a million years. That's not who Brian is. Like I said, they're very selfless. It's a very selfless relationship. So I think it makes sense. You know, I ship them like crazy. They're my number one favorite all-time fictional couple. However, I I was sad they broke up. I was sad as a person who wanted them together. But to me, it made sense. And it was not an unhealthy breakup. And, you know, and also I do want to say, I do think part of it also is Justin is just starting his life in a lot of respects and Brian has lived his life a lot longer. So there is a little bit of that age thing there where it is, you know, Justin is getting these new opportunities and so he should take those opportunities while he can kind of thing too, so... Yeah, it's so clearly this is something that we uh, we don't we don't see it the same way. Ken and I feel like this was not a breakup, even though they called off the wedding because the wedding was requiring them to conform into something that didn't work for them. They individually were not expecting the other person to do that. Justin was not expecting Brian to conform into this thing, and Brian was not expecting Justin to make this big sacrifice. But this, but the idea of this marriage or this institution of marriage as they saw it was requiring it. And so it was like, well, no, we don't need that because it's making us and this relationship do something that we don't need or want to do. And so I think that it was right for them to call it off. Now, some people might say, well, why even have them get engaged if we're just going to call off the wedding? But I think that was an important journey for them to go through. I think it was like, okay, we love each other. We want to have a life together. We want to make some commitments to each other and we want to do that with some degree of permanence and some level of officialness. And so then they start moving in that direction. Now, true, it's sped up and expedited by the bombing, but that desire to be together was already there. And so they're moving in this direction. And then it's this thing that kind of like starts taking on a life of its own. And then they're able to pull it back and say, okay, wait a minute, is this actually right for us? It might be right for other people. And we're not saying it's wrong for other people, but is this right for us right now? And then they're like, no, it's not. But I think that was an important place for them to get to. And I think that that journey was important for uh, for them to go through. So no, I know some people turn the show off after they get engaged after 5.11. They don't watch the other two. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine with you. But that's fine if you want to do that. But I think this whole journey is important. And what Brian says and what Justin says those are actually very, you know, Brian says it's only time. And Justin says, we don't need rings and vows to prove we love each other. We already know that. And it's like, we don't need the things that other people need to validate their relationships. We don't have to have that. We don't have to have it in that form. We can do this our way. And that's what they ultimately decide on. You know, Ken and I, of course, think that 
they made that decision and they were like, okay, we're going to take a chance on love in this new way. Yeah, it's going to be scary and there might be some hiccups with it, but this is what we're going to move forward with. And I mean, it's totally fine for people who who see that see that differently um, and see that they're at different places and they, you know, just kind of interpret that ending a little bit, a little bit differently. But anyway, let me bring us to the final part. So Justin does leave and go to to New York and uh, Brian is left there at the at the loft and Michael comes in and they have these scenes together and he talks to him about being always young, always beautiful. He talks to him about rebuilding Babylon and not changing. And I think that's talking to a bigger thing. But anyway, they do have that conversation and then it ends with them dancing together at Babylon. So Aaron, let let's hear your your thoughts on I put a lot in there at the end, but let's hear your <laughs> thoughts on that. <laughs> on just the ending? Yeah, him with Michael and then the ending. Yeah, let's hear your thoughts on that. Okay, well I know I already know from Michelle being on my podcast that I have a different different feelings on this ending because I I actually find the final scene very sad in a lot of ways. Uh well I think with Michael going there to see Brian, it's very much a callback to the first episode again. There's a lot of callbacks in this. And I think it's kind of a first time of them being friends again and going out and doing their friendship. But it ends up looking a little bit different. Um, and by that, I mean, once they start dancing, then everybody else, you see everybody else there. You see Ted and um, Ted and, and Blake. Thank you, Blake. Blake. Holy yeah. moly. I can't believe I forgot that. <laughs> so you see, okay. Because I actually really love Ted and Blake. But you see Ted and Blake and you see, you know, and you see Emmett and and I can't, can't believe I can't remember his name either. But the guy from Hazelhurst. But Emmett eventually ends up back with Drew. Calvin. So that doesn't matter. Yeah, Calvin. <laughs> yeah. Eventually ends up back with Drew. So that's my headcanon. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you see Ben and everything. So you see all these people. So it's kind of like it's almost like Brian is back to being outside of that bubble because he doesn't end it with Michael. He ends the whole thing by himself. So he's up there by himself and all his friends have kind of moved on even though they're there. So to me, it's very much <laughs> an ending where Brian is starting a new chapter, but possibly without all these people that have been in his life the same way that they've been there before. That's always been my interpretation of it. And it's always kind of made me sad in a way. I don't have, I actually do not have any issues with this finale at all. I know a lot of people do, but I don't. I actually like it. But it still makes me sad in a way because it feels very much like, um, I'm not talking about Justin here, but like everybody else kind of is moved on and left Brian. So it's almost like Michael's like, let's go back to our, our, you know, young adulthood, but I'm going to leave you there. Bye. Have fun. That's the way it always seems to me. So I don't know. So I, that's, to me, it's a heartbreaking ending. I know I'm kind of alone in that in some respects, but it makes me sad. It's not as sad as the six feet under ending, which happened the same exact, like they were a week apart and I watched both of those shows. And let me tell you, <laughs> that was Heartbreak City for me at that time. I was losing my two favorite shows. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that one. We haven't we haven't watched well, I haven't watched it yet, but we're gonna we're gonna watch that one and do it, I think. Uh 
Um, I mean, respect your opinion. <laughs> on that respect your opinion on it uh but uh yeah um did you see the last little bit where all of them are back on the platform with him though you know i must miss this thing because i must have seen it in the first one and i don't remember this at all because you mentioned it before and then i forgot to look for it last night when i watched the finale last night i should you gotta sit through the credits for i should have waited yeah because i don't i don't remember that but so yeah, I just I'm just curious if it would have. I think that there was a reason why it ended with just Brian there by himself uh, and everybody around him. Uh, but I wonder if you would still see it the same way. I if would. You, <laughs> you would if you saw that. Yeah, and that's fine. <laughs> I agree with Aaron for a little bit, but like she said, she didn't get to see the last part. The last part they were all together, so it was like a family again. And also, I didn't get to speak. Uh, I forgot something that I wanted to say beforehand. Uh, on the, the leaving scene, uh, when they were all leaving, uh, Mel and Lindsay and stuff, um, it was a sad scene because I feel like um, Brian doesn't like losing family. Like you said before, he comes from a shitty family uh, with Jack and Joan, you know, and then he was already on the, the outs with Michael, you know, I mean, early in the season, whatever the case. By this point, they had already gotten back together, but he doesn't like losing people, you know. It, it makes him feel like he's a failure. Because he worked too hard on protecting and building these relationships, you know. So the fact that his oldest, well, ain't oldest, but second oldest friend and one of his closest is actually up and leaving. I mean, it was almost like a dig at him, you know, like, hey, you failed. I'm leaving you or something. So I think that's what that was weighing on his heart. Now, back to the ending. I can get what you're saying with them, him standing by himself and overlooking over everybody. And it's like they made all these new connections and they want to move on without him. It does feel sad, like they left him all alone. But you also can view it like, you know, he's the father and looking at his baby spread their wings because he was the one who was always together. They were never together. Like, they weren't. Michael was always searching for something that I didn't think he was ever going to find. Okay, we know Ted was a hot mess since episode one when he overdosed on whatever it was, you know. Um, Emmett just always gets a sh- my poor baby, just always gets a short end of the stick, but he is so strong and resilient um, that you can't just keep him down. So it's almost like, my babies can finally found everything they need, you know, so I'm happy. I'm letting them spread their wings. I'm oversee. But then you'll see them all getting it at the very end. And it's like, you know, no, but we're not leaving you alone. We're always going to be a family. We're going to always be here for you no matter what. It don't matter if I'm in Mexico, you know, I'm, I'm only one call away. And we know Brian ain't no stranger to jump on the plane. I mean, he jumped on the plane and go win a bet. Okay, so, like, I, I – I get what you're saying because it does. It seems very sad. It, it, when you think of it like that, it seems very sad. Um, but if you see that last little, like you said, watch through the credits. And when you see that last one, you're like, oh, it just brings back that nostalgia of that first episode when we first met the game and the love and the connection that they had. So to me, it ended on a happy note because I felt like finally he was back in the group. Because for this whole season, he was on the outside. He was a part of the group, but he wasn't really there. You see how they're all kind of just swarming him, and the vibe is what it used to be, that same old thumpa thumpa, you know, that that good energy, that love. So um, to me, it ended on a high note. Yeah, me personally. And I think everybody kind of feels that way. Pretty much everybody does. Uh, I'm just like the only one that I'm like, <laughs> I mean, granted, it You're is the only like one a- choosing to be unhappy, Erin. I don't know. Choosing to be Why you are choosing this misery? <laughs> <laughs> I'm choosing to 
be miserable. I still yeah. love it, though. I still love yeah. it. Well, no. And then I feel uh, we have a... If we don't say something, our, we're going to get messages about it. And so it's not because we're trying to change your mind. We are totally oh, fine with you, you seeing it the way you see it. But uh, yeah, but I totally see it as something that is a triumphant ending for for Brian. It's that resilience after everything that he's been through, how that all of that has shaped and sharpened him into a more clear vision of who of who he is, where he's more aware of who he is. And now everybody else like, yeah, they're seeing Brian up on this platform, but it's not that legend, that myth anymore. It's the real Brian Kenny up on that platform for everybody to see kind of on. He's not intending to be on display, but they do have him kind of elevated there. But and I talked about how I feel like that's a very free version of Brian. We've never seen him look just that free mm-hmm. <laughs> before uh, because he is dancing alone, but he does not look alone at to me. He does look alone at all. Like I I pointed out, I think it was like 302 and then also in 220 when you see him alone and he, he, Brian doesn't do alone well. And to me, that's a stark contrast, what we see there and what we see here. And I'm not saying that to you, Aaron. I'm saying that to... Right. If you want to use that, yeah, that Brian being alone, not doing well, him being alone and being, you know what I'm saying, like able to cope and able to deal, it it goes back to the growth that we now we have with Brian. He is not the same old Brian. We see the maturity in him because Brian, when he was alone, boy... I did not like coping, Brian. I didn't like, I, he had me scared. I just always felt like every day was going to be an overdose. Like, it was, it was terrible for me. It kept me on my edge, the edge of my seat each time. But to finally see him, like, good, it, it was, it was a good thing to see. Yeah, I don't think it's like the toxic alone. I want to say I don't think it's like that at all. I just, it just felt like very lonely to me in some respects. And I think it's just because I love Brian so much. So it was just kind of, it was kind of hard. But, but I still love it. Like I said, I still love it. And yeah, people can come for me, whatever. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> well, good, because we coming. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I hope I don't think we beat up on her, girl, because you know I love you. I am not trying to beat up. Oh, I don't. Yeah, so I was like, I don't think that. I don't. I'm just glad to be talking with people that like Brian, because... Um, Carla, who Ken, the one time you were on my podcast, Carla was on there. Carla hates Brian. Like she hates Brian. <laughs> it never changed. I just don't. What? I don't get it. She hates him. I mean, season one, Brian can be a mess, but after seeing, because you don't really know how compassionate he is, and that's the. I mean, you you you're getting it, but then at the end of season one, we all know what happened. I don't even like to say those words. I'm not going to say it. But then you, in the beginning of season two, you like. This man is doing all this and no one even knows. Like, that just opened my eyes up right there on exactly who he was. And it shined him in a different light. And then my views of him, because if you listen to Liberty Down at This Podcast Season 1, it's always like, I can't stand him. Like, I mean, it was like the worst. And then as the season's going, it's like, why are y'all hating on Brian? You know, like, what is going on? But maybe maybe she'll come around. She's watched the whole thing. She's, <laughs> she's. What? She loves Gail Harold's performance a lot. She thinks he's great. She did actually think it was very sweet, the I love you and the proposal. She did kind of say, oh, that's really great for all the people that like those two together. But she's not a fan. She's not a fan. 
Wow. I know. We're going to have a, a a Brighton episode at some point, a Brian and Justin episode. And so maybe, Aaron, maybe you can join us on that. And we're going to talk about their relationship since we are all. That's my favorite, too. I mean, it's a hard, it's, it's, a, it's a first for me, but it's a hard run, you know, with Drew and Emmett. But, you know, uh, I love me. All the Emmett guys, period. But you also have to come back for the Emmett episode, too, girl, because I'm going to get crazy on that one. That's I'm going to get crazy on that one. I love Emmett. I love Emmett so dang much. <laughs> so ma- I love Emmett. So, yes, yes. Well, I am going to wrap us up because if it weren't for the hour, we could keep talking for another another hour. But, uh, uh, but Aaron, thank you so much for doing this with us. We'll get to revisit some of these topics that we just kind of barely touched on at some point. Um, and we'll be inviting you back for some of that. I have loved going through these Brian Kenny episodes with you. And I'm happy that Kim was able to join us for for this one. That, that added some added a little bit of flavor to it and made it way more fun. So I'm so glad that he was here with us. Well, Aaron, before we sign off, tell everyone where they can find you and um, yeah, listen to your podcast and whatnot. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, and first, before I do that, I know you've heard me before and I didn't do it at all this episode. It's amazing. But everybody knows I refer to Brian as Brian Sex on Legs Kinney. Well, we now have merch <laughs> with that on it in our Redbubble store. So you can get that on. The only thing that Redbubble won't let us put it on because it has the word sex in it, they won't let us put it on a dog bandana. I don't know why <laughs> all the things you can't have the word sex on a dog bandana. Protect the pants now, all right? <laughs> I, I feel like that's a PETA decision. I don't know how, but okay. <laughs> it probably is. I'm like, yeah. seriously? That's a PETA thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you can get it on everything else that Redbubble offers except for that. So you can find that on our Redbubble store under It's a Fandom Thing. But you can find my podcast, It's a Fandom Thing, on all podcast platforms. Ishelle has been on quite a few episodes. Ken was on one. Because I curse him, <laughs> apparently. Oh, <laughs> uh, but we're breaking curses, okay? Yes, yes. Hopefully, he'll be on some more. So, yes. So, hopefully, we'll have Ken on some more episodes, too. But Ishelle has been on. She's going to be on some another, at least one more coming up this year. Um, but, yes, like I said, you can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can follow us on Facebook at it's a fa- at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. Instagram, it's a fandom thing pod. TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. And our website, it's is it's a fandom thing pod.com. We also have a, I don't know when this episode's coming out, but we have our second annual horror trivia event coming up. So please sign up for that. Um, so yeah, we have lots of great prizes with that. Sorry. That's <laughs> where I was going to go with that. <laughs> So I want to say last night I checked out your um, Redbubble store as well because you dropped a link inside of um, our face, our social media, and I checked it out. You have some really, really dope stuff in there for you, for real. But guys, make sure y'all go check that out and go cop your merch right now for sure. I loved it. Thank you, thank you. 
All right. Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, this was a fun episode. We had a lot of like little random crazy things go on. <laughs> so we'll just see how uh, how much editing I can do with some of that. But um, this was fun for me. So hopefully it's fun for you listeners as well. Erin, uh, until next time, thanks for stopping Bye. by the diner with us. And uh, all right. Well, that wraps up the episode. So um, yeah. Until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. Bye.